Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. BGG World recently announced it has doubled its astaxanthin farms capacity yet again. The completion marks the second major expansion of its state-of-the-art microalgae farm in the last two years, making it the largest astaxanthin farm in the world. Here to speak to the market and more is Bob Capelli, BGG America's and LJ Health Sciences Marketing Director. Hi, Bob, and welcome to the NutriCast. Oh, thank you, Danielle. I'm very happy to be talking with you today. Well, I appreciate you joining me, especially there in Greece on your vacation. So BGG has really ramped things up in the last couple of years. What was BGG's previous capacity and what is it now? So we were already the largest farm in the world to our knowledge. You know, the companies involved with growing natural astaxanthin, you know, they're privately held mostly. Only one is public that I know of. Uh, they don't really publish their capacity much. But from our market knowledge, you know, we have people that we know that, you know, have good knowledge. And we, we believe we were already the largest producer in the world before this recent expansion. So, uh, uh, but we had about a four metric ton capacity before, and now we have about eight metric tons. So now we're just you know, there's no even competition. We're so far ahead of everyone else. And so it's located in China? Yeah, we're, it's a real unique place where the farm is located. It's down in south central China, near the borders of Tibet, Nepal, Myanmar, northern Myanmar, uh, northern Vietnam. It's, it's in a region that really is uh, one of the very best, if not the best place in the world to grow microalgae because it's at a very high elevation, which keeps it, you know, the summers are not too hot, the winters are not too cold. Uh, it's got, I think, 250 days of sunshine a year because the algae, uh, you know, needs sunshine in order to uh, grow the astaxanthin. And so it's really, you know, just an ideal place to, to grow. It's, it's called Yunnan Province and it's a, a few hours drive from the closest big city very pristine region. Another feature I should actually mention, our farm utilizes water that runs from the Himalaya mountains, from the Tibetan plateau. Uh, and so we're, we're, you know, that's one of our features of our product that it's grown in Himalayan mountain water. And I take it that's not a common thing, right? <laughs> not at all. I mean, you know, I guess the, the biggest, uh, most famous product from Himalayas now is the pink Himalayan salt. And, uh, you know, it's, that's a revered salt because of its purity. And the water we use is also, I think, revered uh, in a lot of ways because it's such a, a pure source from, uh, you know, high up above the you know, population. And really a premium way to grow your algae is utilizing very clean water. And then I was reading that it's in a 100% glass tube photobioreactor. What exactly does that mean for those who aren't familiar? Yeah, I'm sure not, not a lot of people are familiar with photobioreactors. Uh, so we have like like miles and miles and miles of glass tubes on our farm. And they're raised up, uh, I think they're about eight feet tall, these stacks of them. They're going horizontally and uh, so that they get uh, good sun exposure, good UV exposure. And... There, there are three different ways commercially that different companies that produce astaxanthin are, are manufacturing it. And one of them is the first method that was, was used primarily in open ponds, sort of like how they grow spirulina and, uh, and chlorella. And that has some downfalls because 
the algae is very susceptible to all sorts of foreign organisms and contaminants. And so, you know, you can get other algae species that invade the ponds and, uh, you know, obviously you can get, you know, bird droppings and you can get, you know, amoebas and protozoa and all kinds of things you don't want in your astaxanthin. So that method is still being used by some companies, but it's not really the favored method nowadays. The other method besides these glass tube photobioreactors that we use is an indoor method where it's grown using artificial light inside uh, big bioreactors, you know, inside a building. Now that's not ideal because it's not environmentally friendly to use, you know, it takes a lot of light exposure. So you're using a lot of energy to produce it. So our glass tube system really marries the best of both worlds. It protects from contaminants similar similar to the indoor systems, but it also uses the sun for the energy source similar to the open pond systems. So it's really kind of a hybrid system. It's more expensive to install. Installation costs, you know, are, you know putting in all these like miles and miles of glass tubes is not cheap. Uh, but once it's in, it, it's it's very efficient. Our product, we, we're able with the strain of algae that we've uh, isolated over the years, and with uh, the, the system that we use, we're able to get consistently uh, over 6% astaxanthin content in the algae and sometimes over 8%. And the open pond systems usually hover between 2 and 3%, and the indoor systems usually around 5 you know, 4 5%. So we really have the most concentrated astaxanthin in the world. And it's also the purest in terms of uh, lack of contaminants, in terms of uh, uh, the uh, the astaxanthin percentage in the carotenoid fraction, because when you grow astaxanthin in algae, it uh, produces not just the astaxanthin, that's the predominant carotenoid, but there's also a little beta carotene, a little bit of lutein, there can be a little bit of zeaxanthin, but our product actually has a 97% astaxanthin in the carotenoid fraction. So it's the most concentrated and the purest astaxanthin you can really find because of this system we've, we've uh, perfected and because of the uh, the strain of, of hematococcus algae that we've isolated. Yeah, okay. And so what's the demand like? Obviously, with this expansion, I, I expect it's pretty up there. Yeah, demand for astaxanthin has been very steadily increasing uh, over the last several years. And uh, we attribute it to the fact that there's been so much more human clinical research on, on astaxanthin and the publicity that is generated when like new studies are, are published uh, really gets a lot of consumers interested in you know brands that that utilize astaxanthin have been promoting this research and so consumers I, I think to this day if you still if you ask a hundred consumers say in USA what is astaxanthin I still think probably less than five or, or ten maximum might know what it is but it's increasing every year and I mean when I start I started with working with astaxanthin about 22 years ago. And back then, no, <laughs> even scientists involved in, uh, you know, carotenoids barely even knew what astaxanthin was. So it's really come a long way in, in a relatively short time. And demand is uh, estimates of the market have been has been increasing between uh, 15 and 20 percent per year. It seems to be increasing every year steadily. Yeah, that's pretty substantial. So would you say there's one region over the other that favors it or is demand pretty steadily growing everywhere? You know what? That, that's a, actually an interesting question, Danielle. What we found is that it is popular in many different places in the world. Uh, however, because it has 10 different health benefits that have been clinically validated, the different regions focus on different 
health benefits in, in their promotion of the product or, or in their marketing of the product, I guess. And so if you ask a, a consumer in Japan, for example, uh, that's taking us then why are you using it? Most of them there are using it for skin health or eye health. If you ask a, uh, someone in Italy, why are they using Asanthin? Most of them are taking it for cardiovascular health. In USA, a lot of athletes, especially triathletes and marathon runners are using it for its uh, endurance and energy aspects. In, in Croatia is a crazy place because uh, they focus on, believe it or not, on the male fertility health benefits of Asanthin, which is something that's, you know, I think they're the only country that focuses on that. And the company there that's the primary distributor of Asanthin says that, you know, almost like 80 or 90% of their sales are because of, you know, for male fertility. So it's really just completely varied as to where you are in the world, like why people are using it. But it has been embraced, I'd say, by at this point, uh, at, at least like, you know, 70 or 80% of, of developed countries, at least undeveloped countries or underdeveloped countries, I should say, a lot of them have not really, you know, started using Asanthin to any extent so far, although some have. Wow. Some of that marketing positioning is very interesting. You mentioned research. What research stands out to you or what has been the most popular that has really caught people's attention? A lot of the early research, for example, back in the 1940s and 50s, the earliest research on astaxanthin was, uh, besides the antioxidant uh, power that they were showing, they were showing benefits for eye health. And so to this date, I would say that that's probably where the most human studies have been. And But again, like, you know, it just depends on which area you're talking about. There's been a lot of research recently on brain health and cardio. It's really kind of... Um, you know, branched out to, to all 10 of these different health benefits. And for each one of them, there's at least five human clinical studies now. And some of them, there's dozens. So, you know, really just depends which one you're talking about. But the research has been pretty widespread. Interesting. Let's go back to the microalgae farm. What is it like there? How long does it take to grow it? What's like the process from start to finish? So, I'm going to talk about what my favorite thing is. The, the algae that produces astaxanthin is called hematococcus pluvialis and it's a green algae in its normal healthy state and you know it's grown in uh, for a, a few weeks under cover so there's no uv exposure and it's fed and it's grown in different size containers that are getting bigger and bigger and then it's final in the final stage after a few weeks of this uh, uh, undercover growth it's put out into the intense sunlight uh, in Yunnan, uh, where, where we grow it. And also at that stage, we stop feeding the algae. So, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, any living organism, whether it be plant or animal, needs nutrition in order to survive. And so what the algae does as a survival mechanism is it hyperaccumulates astaxanthin. In just the course of one week, the algae goes from its normal green color to a, a very deep, vibrant red, dark red color. And that's because the astaxanthin is that color. And this is the most amazing thing I think about astaxanthin that I, I, I can tell anybody is that the astaxanthin molecule is so incredibly protective to the algae cells that once they've hyperaccumulated this astaxanthin, they can live, it's been documented for over 40 years with no food, with no water, in intense UV exposure and extreme temperatures, doesn't matter what you do to them, the astaxanthin protects them. And when you put it back into favorable conditions and you know cover it from the UV exposure and start feeding again, 
it turns back to green and starts swimming around again. So that's how protective it is to that to the algae. Now, when we take astaxanthin into our bodies, whether it's in a capsule form or in a functional food or beverage or you know whatever way you take it into your body, or by eating wild salmon, astaxanthin cells go throughout our body, and it's been documented to be able to get into every part of our body. It goes into the heart, it goes into the eyes and, and, and brain, it can pass the blood brain and the blood retinal barriers. It goes into the skin, it deposits in the skin over the course of a few weeks, it bonds with muscle tissue, and in our cells in our human bodies, it has that same protective influence. So it's really the most protective molecule that scientists have found to date. And it really just quite a fascinating story about like how it protects the algae. Is that what you wait, you wait for it to turn red? And that, is that like what you look for then? Exactly. I mean, we, it's tested you know, scientifically in the lab to see how much astaxanthin is present, but uh, you can just really pretty much look at it and know when it's very, very, you know, there, there's a middle stage where it's kind of brownish. It's halfway between green and red. Uh, the final stage, it's just deep, deep red. And again, once we put it out into the sunlight and stop feeding it, that's only about a week where it, it takes to hyperaccumulate all of that astaxanthin. What would you say is the most common delivery form of this? Is it capsules or? Yes, to, to date, it's still soft gels. That was really the first way it was introduced. And because astaxanthin is such an incredibly powerful antioxidant, it oxidizes very, very quickly. So if it's not protected very well when it's being delivered, you know, all through the process, when it's you know being stored as a raw material, when it's you know being put into raw material form, when it's being delivered to the consumer, it's got to be really well protected. Otherwise, it'll oxidize. And the oxidated product is called astacine and semi-astacine, which doesn't really matter for the purposes of most people. It's not something that's you know in any way harmful, just that it doesn't have any of these incredible antioxidant power or any of these health benefits. So you got to really protect it. And one of the best ways, and again, the earliest way was in uh, soft gels. And that, I'd say that's still the primary way that it's delivered to consumers. Mm-hmm. And so how does, you know, formulating astaxanthin compare to other types of vitamins and minerals and things? Is this a little bit more challenging? Uh, yeah, it is, and especially when you get into other delivery formats besides soft gels, you have to just really make sure that Again, you're protecting it, and that means you know sometimes special packaging. If you have it in a functional food or beverage, you have to make sure that it's it's also susceptible to light. Uh, oxygen and light are the, the two worst enemies of astaxanthin. Heat, it does pretty well with heat, so that's not an issue. You can actually even cook it for a while in, in certain uh, functional foods if necessary, uh, and that doesn't really harm it too much. But yeah, you got to really treat it with kid gloves in order to make sure that it's going to uh, still be potent by the time it gets to the consumer. Okay. And you've been doing this for over 20 years. How long has BGG been in the business? Yeah, so uh, I worked for an open pond company for my first uh, 13 years working with astaxanthin and now BGG for about nine years. And then, you know, when there was some incredible publicity by astaxanthin back in like 2012, 2013, uh, a lot of strong opinion leaders in the uh, supplement area, uh, Dr. Mercola, Mike Adams, the health ranger, they got behind astaxanthin and started talking about all of its benefits because they use it. What they did is they, both these guys, they use it for themselves. They found that they were like getting these feelable results that most people, when they take acid, they can actually feel it doing something for them. And they got to become huge advocates for it. And uh, I can remember Dr. Mercola was just pumping out like newsletters and videos. I did a video with him and, you know, he really created a lot of demand for it. Uh, it got on the Dr. Oz show. It was mentioned on the Oprah Winfrey show a few times. And so 
During that time span, our company started producing asanthin in 2006, but in small quantities and, and selling just to the Japanese market to a couple of customers there. And what we were doing really was we took seven years. We went from 2006 to 2013 before we got to a much larger commercial scale because we were perfecting our production system and we were isolating, you know, constantly, you know, looking for better forms of, of the uh, hematococcus algae that produce more astaxanthin. And so it took seven years really to get to this point where we have this incredibly pure and concentrated product. Uh, in the meantime, BGG went from being a small producer in 2006 to, in 2013, a significant producer. Then we expanded again and became the world's largest, uh, you know, a couple years ago. And now, uh, you know, this expansion again. In the meantime, the company I worked for only did like a 10% expansion. So, like, they just weren't really growing the market. So that's – I'm happy I moved to BGG because we stay ahead of the demand curve. You know, we're always – we're not waiting until we're sold out and then we, we add some new uh, new capacity. We're always looking to see where the market's going and we're, we're, we're ahead of the game and we never leave customers without product. It, it got bad, Danielle, for about two years from 2012, 2014. Every company was sold out. Their lead times were like, you know, four or five months for customers to get product. You know, we were limiting, you know, order. It, it was just a mess. And so, Thankfully, BGG is really doing a good job in terms of not just the quality of the product, but the capacity uh, for astaxanthin as well. Wow, that's that's a lot to go from a small company to the largest by far. Well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it took a while for the marketplace to accept us because there was there were three companies that had been doing it longer than us and really. Uh, we didn't really advertise at all that we were even doing Asanthin from 2006 to t- until 2013. And actually 2014, I went over to BGG and we really started promoting that we were we were doing it. And so, you know, it, it took some time to be accepted. But at this point, really, it's only us and, and really one other company that are accepted as the market leaders in Asanthin. And, uh, the, you know, the other company is a very worthy competitor and they have a good product and they've done, you know, like us, they do clinical research to validate their product. And then there's a lot of there's probably 20 or 25 other producers that are, you know, some are, you know, fairly good size, some are smaller, uh, you know, a lot of small ones just kind of getting going. But uh, most of those products are not clin- or I think only one other is clinically validated. You know, a lot of them have like problems with consistency of supply. And so, you know, it, it's it's still a relatively small market in terms of like uh, who's doing you know decent quantities and has a, a good, reliable quality product. Yeah. And uh, before I let you go, any plans to expand again? Well, you know, we have uh, right next to our our, our existing farm is actually about half a mile apart. There's two, you know, the the old part and this brand new part we just opened. But next to the new part, we actually have land that we have first right of refusal on. And so no one can really get that land unless, you know, we say yes or yay or nay for our next expansion. I'll tell you what, the way that consumers are finding out about this product and and embracing it. I mean, I I mentioned earlier how most, about 80% of people that take it can feel it working in their bodies. They have more energy, their eyesight's a little crisper, their skin is, you know, gets a a lot, you know, less wrinkles, a lot uh, better skin moisture and elasticity. Uh, They can stay in the sun longer without getting sunburned. Their immune system gets perked up, all these different things. When people can feel it, like when it happened to Dr. Mercola and, and Mike Adams, the health ranger, and, you know, they became these huge advocates for it because, you know, they really know that it's working. Most supplements, you can't really feel anything. You know, most supplements you take on faith that it's doing something for you. So on the consumer level, 
you find that a lot of people take it and they get a, a great, you know, they really feel the results and see the results and they tell their, their friends and their family. And so it really is growing fast. And so I expect that within the next, I'm going to say about a year to two years max, I think we'll be expanding again because that's how fast the market is swallowing up this capacity that, that we're creating. Bob, I was kind of half jokingly asking you that. So um, <laughs> two years, two years. You know, there's not a written plan for this yet. Uh, we're going to see how things go, but I'm guessing within one to two years, we're going to probably break ground on another expansion. All right, Bob, we'll have to check back with you in a couple of years to see where you're at with your next expansion and to uh, get a pulse on the market. Bob Capelli, BGG Americas and LJ Health Sciences Marketing Director, thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast. Hey, Danielle, thank you for having me and thank you for your outstanding questions. I really appreciate it. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.